welcome to the ISBA BursaCast podcast. This is a Friday focus episode and as usual we have a guest on and our guest today is John Murphy. John joins us to go through some of the latest updates he's found during his week and some things we should be thinking about going forward. So with all of that to look forward to, John, good morning. How are you? And thank you for being here. I'm very well, Leo. It's very good to speak to you. John, you really are too kind. Thank you so much for being here. What have we had going on this week and what have we got to be expecting in this episode? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, We are, as we are wandering around the country, talking to regional groups, coming across um, how good boards of governors are and how well organized they are, how often they're meeting and that kind of agility to deal with what's going to be a set of very rapidly changing events in the next 12 months. Um, and it's apparent that there are some bits of restructuring required in various schools, which is no bad thing. But the time to do it is now, when there is time to think what the composition, frequency of meetings, agendas, delegations are all going to be before um, events compress and take that time away and therefore uh, press the um, press the thought process into into too small um, a, a time zone, a time frame. When Sorry. you say restructuring, what do you mean by that? Well, because we, we've we got boards of governors who, for good reason, have been in a habit of meeting once every term, and that's been sufficient to keep the show on the road as a main board. But the subsidiary boards, perhaps finance, education, uh, remunerations or um, appointments committees, meet to support that board every, every term as well. But my point is that there's going to be such a large number of big issues to deal with, and particularly with finance, organization, availability, marketing, um, that that frequency, that drumbeat of once a term is not going to be sufficient uh, to, to cope with the changes that are coming. Because if you think about the time frame in which there would be an election, so say the election was going to be, for sake of argument, in October, you would have um, a board meeting in June, a board meeting in November, and the next one in March. Well, that's not enough to deal with the, the consequences of the election, perhaps the changes in tax taxation, the changes that that will make to the business that you're running. It's just not reactive enough. So how do you propose these meetings go ahead? Obviously, boards are full of people who are typically incredibly busy individuals. Are Are virtual meetings an option? Virtual meetings are, but you have to be careful that that's written into the the way that the the, the governance is done in the school. There's got to be a particular provision for it. But equally... um, you've got to be careful with the, the delegations. And, and if there is something big issue coming, and we know there is with taxation, then perhaps form a sort of little tiger team, a little working group that deals with that and the consequences of it. Give it some delegated powers, give it a lifespan of 18 months or two years, and have it report to boards on particular topics at particular times. And don't be scared to pull um, into the program an extraordinary meeting if you need it of the board. So that's something that you think all, if not most schools, should be taking into account, especially given the tumultuous six to 18 months we're about to yes, have. Yes, I do. I, do. I just don't want to be hearing stories of, well, we were caught a bit flat-footed because that changed and we didn't have time to either debate it or decide what we're going to do about it or accommodate it. And I think that would be disastrous. We always seem to say it, but it always comes down to just being really organised and getting ahead of these things. If you can get ahead of events and try and own the event, I know we'll never do it with government policy, but if you can own the effects of the event, then yeah, fine, you've done your scenario planning, you've done what you um, you need to do, worst consequences, best consequences, all that stuff, um, then great. But if you've not had time to do that or you've not got the, the organisation that allows you to support it, then it's going to be very difficult to catch up. 
Yeah, and actually getting those boards in order and ready to help you realize you're yep. not alone, and you got a little bit of help with steering the ship and getting those choices. Well, right. exactly. You can do a bit of a bit, a bit of policy setting, a bit of nudging, and, and and do the background work that the the boards will need. And you're right to say they're busy people. Of course, they are busy, talented, and volunteers. So you've got the best and worst of both worlds because they're time poor. So you've got to get the supporting structure in place such that the time that they spend together debating the issues is as high quality as you can decently get it. I suppose it's never been more important than now for bursas to make really clear to their governors how yeah. vital their input is going to be, given how difficult things are going to be going forward. It is. Um, but what else have we got to think about going forward? Um, it's been a multitude of questions on everything from the, um, the pressure that some pupils and staff are under uh, because of the Israel-Hamas conflict. There's been I, I don't quite understand how this is being generated, but generated is being on social media. Uh, a lot of um, anti-feeling towards the Jewish community, equally anti towards the Palestinian community too. So it's a two-way street. But um, you've, the schools are going to have to be careful to, um, to 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 take an even line through this and, and make sure, like any other conflict, uh, that it's well handled within the school, because otherwise it becomes very inflammatory very quickly. Yeah, and actually to that end, the DfE have recently updated their um, Educate Against Hate blog, which gives you information on how to speak yeah. about the news, ongoing conflicts, and you know hold these discussions with difficult topics, on difficult topics rather, with students. So check that out. Yes, and uh, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I had forgotten about that. Thank you for the reminder. Uh, but it's certainly worth um, just dialing into that and having a listen to what's being said. So those are the first three topics discussed. What else have you had across your desk of late? A lot of discussion around the new teachers' pensions rate, which is now 28.68%, up from 23.68%. And that puts, uh, if you think about it, the, the biggest expense in a school is about 70% outgoing, is um, is, is rough, roughly about the, the number, uh, is staff cost. Um, and that's just suddenly put 5% for those schools still in TPS, plonk, onto the staff bill. And that's difficult to accommodate. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you envision more schools now who previously were on the fence about TPS or perhaps thinking they could weather the storm now seeing the possible addition of an extra 20% and there's going to now be a rush to get TPS uh, dealt with in whatever way they see fit? Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. We've About a third of roughly 1,200 schools have done something with t teachers' pensions. Um, I think there's the sort of middle third, if you like, are, are now more than thinking about it, but actually doing something about it because they can see the reality. Um, and that will leave a, a final third whose financial circumstances may mean that this is not for them a, a significant pressure. And we have spoken about this at length, uh, and you've often said, you and David say, you know, if your boards aren't sure about it, get you guys in to come and chat about it. But what other practical things are there for schools to to be doing at the, the moment with TPS? There, there is an options document in the library, TPS options, um, which is up to date and, and good to use. And that tells you as a school what you can do. Um, if you've got a board that isn't engaging, then of course, David and I are very happy to go and speak to them uh, to get them to engage in it and just point out some of the realities, which it, it's a difficult thing to tangle with because you're taking your primary output teachers and you're making a change to their employment conditions. It's not something you go into lightly. Um, but it's something that has to be looked at. And if the decision is to stay in TPS, fine, no problem with that. But you're going to have to make sure that you can support that uh, for, from now, uh, which is April 24th when this 5% rise comes in. 
uh, until 2027, which is the next review point. Not not 2028, but 2027. So it's it's you know it's not an easy three years that when you think of the other things that could be happening in it. And is there any, even a small chance, the percentages might go the other direction going forward? <laughs> um, well, probably, but the the, the fund is um, well drawn on by those who are getting pensions from it. Um, the income isn't perhaps as good as the the actuaries would like it to be, and consequently, the the, the fund is some some way short of where it should be. So. I'd love to say yes, but I can't in all conscience say no with those pressures I've just outlined to you. But the other one it depends on, of course, is the growth of the uh, of the UK economy. And I haven't met a, a happy economist yet that tells me that the, the growth in GDP is going to be anything less, anything more than about 1.1% over the next three years. I think perhaps even the ever jolly Joe Nellis would struggle to put a positive spin on that one. Well, and, and uh, Reese from Lloyd's, who spoke with the Northern Group by video um this week on tu- on Tuesday this week actually, now uh, he was equally gloomy, um, but he could you can see the logic and you can see exactly where they're coming from and you're watching the trend. So I'm I'm not hopeful of a of a reduction. Let's put it that way. So we've shed some light there on some of the more financial and sensitive international conflict matters. What else do you see coming mm. down the tracks at us in the next fortnight or perhaps just week? Well, there's a couple of things coming down the pipe in terms of um, of em- employment. The first is that we've got a a new workables, oh, sorry, workables, workers pre- predicted terms and conditions act 2023. Those on zero hours contracts should now be able to be told what it is that they're going to get to do. So a zero hours contract actually isn't a zero hours contract anymore. It's got a sort of minimum level or a predicted level of um, of earning in it. So that's maybe one worth to one worth watching. Um, We've obviously updated the model parent contract for, for members as well. So there's an, another bit of admin there. You don't have to do your parent contract upgrade every year, but do keep an eye on the on the current one, um, just in case we do get VAT on fees because it can accommodate that. Uh, so there's plenty of bits and pieces to be going on with it. That's the whole point about this. There is always an undercurrent of work to be done, which usually takes everybody's time. And then on top of that, at the moment, we're superimposing probable changes in government, probable changes in taxation, definite changes in teachers' pensions. So the whole landscape is shifting, um, which means that you know everybody is working much harder than they would be normally. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, to help people understand a little bit more about the new European legislation that's coming through for holiday pay, I'm chatting with Burkett's next oh, week okay. to get some more updates around that. So hopefully that'll make some more sense of what's to come. Good. Good, good, good. Well, I mean, that's that's all. I mean, the point about this is to, is to make people aware of these things and how they may or may not affect the school that um, that they're sitting in. But you've you've just got to keep up with what's going on on the in the outside world. I mean, we're we've we're still getting reports of scams, uh, fee scams. Um, you know, pay by X date and you'll get twenty percent off. And by the way, here's our new bank account. So it's not it's not a scam that's um, particularly different to any other ones we've seen but we're just seeing them happening on a perhaps two-weekly basis now. So extra vigilance is required then. Absolutely. And it always hinges on some weakness in the organisation. And I hesitate to say it, but the human beings are never uh, completely faultless here. They have to be trained a lot to make sure they stay up to date because we're very kind as a sector. We're very um, accommodating. And that tends to mean that people can be very easily exploited by those who are wishing to do it.
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then looking forward to the build-up to Christmas time, if you were to cast your mind back to when you were a wee bursar back in the day, uh, what sort of things did you practically have to think about in the build-up to Christmas that you can sort of bring back to your memory now to share with our listeners? Practically speaking, um, you can never start too early to get the uh, the invoices out for January. <laughs> Sounds very grasping, doesn't it? Um, but <clears throat> you're also very, very aware of the other plans that are happening. So there'll be Christmas services, carol services, parents coming in for various bits and pieces. So there's a lot of activity in a school, which means you've got lots of visitors around the place um, and lots of events going on, all of which are vulnerable to the weather at this time of year, particularly some of the rainfall that we've seen over the last 10 days or so, which would have disrupted almost anything. Um, so the, the only thing I would do is, is start to be very carefully planning this half of the term because it gets very congested very quickly with very emotionally based activities all of which are vulnerable to, to, to last-minute changes owing to the weather or any other circumstances. So, yeah, um, I always used to say that you look at your watch in September and the next time you looked at your watch, it would be December 23rd and you'd be locking the school up to go on Christmas holidays. It's that sort of term. It's exceptionally busy, particularly this end of it. And I suppose this will be the first year, actually, that Martin's Law is sort of... It's not quite legislation yet, but the draft legislation... Yeah. Um, you know, it will be in place and people should be sort of going by that guidance and taking it into account. So if you've got, say, a carol concert or some such event, over 100 people, you need to take that into account. A lot of it is just solidifying what was already done, but it's something to be mindful yes, of. Yes, and it, it's interesting because that's actually formalising a lot of things that schools were doing anyway. Uh, but yes, the, the risk assessments and things are in the, and the guidance notes are in the library and they're certainly there to be there to be used and, of course, critiqued if there's something missing. I don't think there is, but if anybody's got any comments on them, I'm always open to hearing feedback. Um, so yes, but all of that will be happening in a compressed time frame up to and the day before um, the Christmas holiday. Mm, and I was on the phone the other day to uh, Michelle Pearson from Pearson Web Health and Safety uh, Guidance stuff. Uh, and I said, what sort of thing do bursars always forget around this period? And she said, fire risk assessments for Christmas yeah. decorations. Hadn't thought about it, but I guess that's fair enough. Well, if you're a, if they're a health and safety person, that's exactly it. But my favourite, brackets, not favourite um, event was the fireworks night where you had every child and parent and the staff in a conf confined area. You light a fire in the middle of it. You switch the lights off. And then you let explosives off and you wonder why the, the, the risk assessment is difficult to, to, to work out. You've, you know, those are the sorts of things that people expect you to do, but the, where the risks suddenly multiply by factors of five. Um, and you've got to carefully plan all of that. And even the most innocuous decorations, yes, you have to be careful. Well, is there anything else that comes to mind before we draw an end to this episode? No, um, not really. I mean, it's not... It, 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 it sounds as though it's quite a gloomy session. It's not really. I mean, the schools are busier than they've ever been. Inquiries are still relatively high. We've got more uh, pupils in the sector than perhaps we've ever had. Uh, so, you know, things are busy, but they're busy in a good way. And it's just that there are a few things that we need to anticipate coming to make sure we're not caught out by them. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm going to round this off with one of our famous quiz questions. Um, it's quite a niche one. You probably wouldn't get it in most of your pub quizzes. But what is the sum of money mm. that independent schools pay in tax every year? Ah. I think it's about 5.7 billion. Am I close? You know what? You're not far off. It's 5.1 billion in tax every year. Oh, so I can be allowed a little bit of exaggeration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You're in the right job. We're safe. <laughs> yeah, learned that the other day while going through all of the guidance. But but I mean that's a huge amount of money. 
yeah, it's, it's a decent whack. A I certainly wouldn't yeah. complain if it came my way. And for a, for a sector that's got, what, 6.5% of the available pupils in the UK? Yeah, and then uh, another fun fact for you is that half of the independent schools in the UK have fewer than 300 pupils and a quarter have fewer than 155. Yep. Because what they are doing is serving uh, little chunks of the market. And because they are agile in their organization, they can do that. It's, it's, it's the perfect example of a small business serving a, a local need in a lot of those cases. Yeah, they are sort of small, bespoke community establishments, yeah. uh, which is very much not what the media chooses to focus on. But there we no, it are. Is not, not, not by any means, because the bulk of schools, as you say, are, are under 400 pupils, and, and they are producing some exceptional services to parents and to the pupils that are in the school. I suppose there is, there is no one single uh, camp when it comes to independent schools, there, but rather smaller ones. But then I suppose you've got to be careful there that you don't paint a very... No, what, what, what I was going to what, well, the way I put it is you've got to be careful that the media impression of independent schools which features the larger schools is not the one that's actually accurate what is accurate is the small 400 pupil school that's serving or less fewer pupils um, that's that's serving its community and serving it well yeah that's a much better way to put it it's all sort of little pieces of the same puzzle it is and that's what we're and the, the lovely thing about this <clears throat> organization is we're trying and achieving service to to every size, um, you know, there's something in the in in the library for everybody. Yes, absolutely. And then just quickly, I want to mention about the 23rd of November, where we have the ISBA, HMC, and Agbis joint conference for bursars happening. Yep, we have. That's going to be quite an interesting um, day for attendees for three three reasons. One is there'll be three different perspectives on what we see the future to be as associations. So bear in mind that. You know the heads ourselves and Agbis all look at things slightly differently, so there'll be there'll be um, differences there to to perhaps discuss and look at. Um, the second thing is you don't often get the three associations and their key speakers together in one place. That's got to be worth attending. Um, and the third point is that uh, the room will be full of people who share the same problems as you when you attend, so it's worth swapping ideas and doing a bit of networking. Yep, and you do not need to be an HMC no. member school to attend. Yeah, it's open to all. And I would, if you're going to go to one event this side of Christmas, I would say that's the one. And what about the other side of Christmas, John? What's the best one then? The best event then is going to be the finance conference on the 8th of February. Um, and the reason is we've persuaded, and I don't know how we've done it, but we have done it. Um, the guy who was um, the, the master of spin in Downing Street during the Labour government, Alistair Campbell, um, he is dead set against independent schools but has decided he will come and do our keynote on the finance day. I can't wait to hear what he's got to say. How bizarre. I'm very it intrigued. Is, it is. It's, it's deliberately provocative. It's going to be 40 minutes. It'll set the day off in a way that we've never set a day off before. But I am very curious to hear his view. Yeah, me too. And then, of course, after that, we'll have the annual conference, which we'll be talking about much more coming soon, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and, and it, it, at that point, we should be beginning to see what the labour policies are on education, the f um, economy, etc. So we'll be able to tie down some of the loose ends of the strategy that we're, we will be talking about at the, the, the joint event in, in, in later, later this month in November. Well, John, we'll end it there. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat. You're always a welcome presence on the podcast. Have a lovely weekend. Hope you managed to find some time to carry on your car tinkering. A bit more MG building. That's exactly it. Thank you, Leo. Very good to speak to you too. And there we are, end of another episode of Friday Focus. Please do subscribe wherever it is you're listening to ensure you never miss an update again and share it with members of your team if you think they'll find it useful. 
If you'd like to say hello or suggest some topics or questions for me or any of our guests, please email podcast at the isba.org.uk. With all of that taken care of, I hope you have a lovely weekend and the sun shines for you. Until next time, farewell.